Well, hey, folks, welcome to the Jason Wright Show birthday special. That's right. Today, February 19th, as I record this, I have now completed my 47th lap around the sun. And this is kind of a different episode. This is a, uh, an episode in which my mentor, author, entrepreneur, founder, Phil Burks, incredible friend, incredible human being, he had been after me for a while to sit down and let him interview me for the show so that you, the audience, could get a better understanding of who Jason Wright really is. And while I've pushed it off and pushed it off because I just, I'm kind of my least favorite subject to talk about, uh, I thought it would be kind of cool and beneficial to be transparent and let him kind of dig in, excuse me, and ask some questions so that you could better understand just exactly who your host is. And I think that the coolest thing is I'm at a stage of my life where this whole improve always and always thing that I'm always touting and is the motto of the show and the Vitruvian letter and whatever. As you all know, I have said it time and time again, I think that the, if I am the absolute best version of myself, then I can better help my fellow man. And that's what this is about. And so that has become the meaning and purpose in my life beyond. And it's not just about the good times. It's like finding meaning in the suffering and how can I benefit and learn from that. And we talk a lot about that. And so I would like at times during this interview, when Phil asks me, asks me a question, please place yourself in my shoes. How would you answer the questions? And then when it comes to my answers, you know, I, it can be boiled down to this. I'm at a stage here at 47 years where I have more joy, fulfillment, purpose in my life than I've ever had. And it's because I started to not just think about what is the meaning of life? Why are we here? That, that's not what it's about. Instead, it's understanding what the purpose and the meaning is in each and every moment, in each and every uh, time and aspect of my life. What is the meaning of those moments? And so I hope that you really take from this a guy that I don't have it all figured out, that's for sure. But if there is one thing I have figured out is that each and every life has a purpose and a meaning. We just have to figure out what it is for us. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And to Rylan, my my oldest, it's her birthday as well. Happy birthday, baby. I love you. Enjoy the show. All right, so I'm back here in the office of my mentor, my dear friend, my brother, Phil Burks, for a very interesting episode. Well, interesting in that it's unorthodox. I guess that's a better way to put it, in that I'm in the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Phil will be interviewing me today. I cannot imagine what he's come up with. And so before you turn this off, before you go listen to anything else, just know you've been warned, and uh, but I think it'll be a good episode. And so with that, my brother, thanks for doing this. Uh, this, this was your idea. By the way, folks, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, my ego is very secure, but it's not that big. I didn't say, hey, Phil, I got some things to say. Uh, this was Phil's idea, and so I'm excited to be here. And uh, thanks, man. Good to see you again as That's always. That's good seeing you, Jason. Always great to see you. And thanks for uh, being uh, open, and uh, we'll find out if you're vulnerable or not. Uh, to see how this goes. It's kind of crazy, man, that you say that because the last few episodes of the show have dealt with relationships 
And this audience, they're probably like, man, this dude is really transparent and opening up. And so, you know, Kim Brumley uh, was last week's mm-hmm. and he that. nearly made me cry. Yes. <laughs> well, he has a tendency to do that, That's, but for unintentional reasons. <laughs> right, right, right. So with that, I'm an open book. I am putty in your hands. Oh, sir. gosh. Well, let's start with the fact that, uh, you know, for the listeners, you may not know this, but Jason is about to, as we're recording this, is just about to uh, finish up another cycle around the sun. So it's uh, how many times have you gone around? Forty-seven. Forty-seven. Doesn't look a day over 50. Uh, so, so kind. Yeah. So kind. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be like this all for the next 45 <laughs> minutes or so. I, you know, Jason, I've got a lot of the typical questions, and these are going to be get some other things. So okay. I, wanna, I want the listeners to get to know who Jason Wright is just a little bit deeper. Cool. Um, so let's say, let's start with something, a, a softball. What do you think you're most known for by your listeners? Ooh, that's a good one. Well, I would have said a few years ago, probably my civic involvement, being a guy that's involved in local government, politics, that sort of thing, which to be honest with you, I have done my best to get away from that being known for that. Really? Yeah, I just, I don't like uh, being categorized because so many people make assumptions whenever they look at your politics and they want to size you up really quickly. But I would say now I would think uh, entrepreneur, mm-hmm. uh, someone, I think that I'm that guy that no one really knows what I do. I'm kind of like the, uh, not an international man of mystery, but like a, a <laughs> local Texan of mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always tell, I was talking to Rylan and Abby the, uh, the other day and I said, when you guys have to describe what your dad does for a living, what on earth do you say? That's the question. Yeah. And like, well, you know, he's a writer. He has a podcast. He started uh, several businesses and sold them. He's an entrepreneur. He's done some advising for a senator. Uh, we And they, they say they kind of nail it down to that I'm just, you know, I'm self-employed and I do several things. <laughs> so I'm like, eh, I'm good with that. But I think... To, to the short answer is, I think, I don't know, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I think I'm most known for just being a um, an entrepreneur and someone who has had a past in politics, being on city council and those sorts of mm-hmm. things. No, I think that's fair. Uh, and, and, you know, the way, it, as people ask me, uh, you know, I, I try to think, all right, what's on my business card? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the, probably the most common thing on mine is just founder. Yeah. And I think that also applies to you, Jason, Agreed. you know, Agreed. founder of, and yep. you know, there's, then you go to the back of the card to find out all these, you know, 24 things that you've been the founder of. Can I tell you something that's funny? Of course. And it's, it's, uh, because it's where we started. It's good. It shows your, uh, your Oprah Winfrey skills are kicking in because it's made me think I just had new business cards printed and the only thing they say or they read is Jason Wright my phone number, and then on the back, improve always in all ways, which is, you know, the show's motto, sure. my newsletter, and that's it. Um, and that's where, Phil, I'm trying to get to a point where when people see me, it's not so much about my vocation, but just what my values are, what I'm about, what I'm into, but because I've reached a point with like this podcast and the things that I'm doing and kind of at this proverbial midpoint of life of 
being the absolute best version of myself as a means by which to help my fellow man. Mm -hmm. I think that's really where I'm headed. So I'm hoping that if I do it right, that when you ask me this question, 47 more years <laughs> from now, because I plan to still be mm -hmm. here and I know you're going to be here. No. I want you to say, I want to be able to say, well, I think people know me as the guy that just wants everyone to reach their maximum potential, no matter what that is for a better community, a sure. better household. That's what I want to be known as. So, we'll no, that's great. And you know, I'm sitting here thinking, we all kind of go through this when we're, when we're young, you know, our business card has all, you know, has limited stuff on it, yeah. but it's, it's as descriptive as we can because we're looking for that next oh, thing. Man, yeah. Then somewhere in the process, it simplifies. And yeah. then somewhere after that, you just become known as Oprah. That's you know, it. Well, one word. Here's here's a great one, one of the best things I ever saw. So I was uh, advisor to a startup called Crown and Caliber, an online luxury watch retailer, a number of years ago. And there was this article that floated around the office that was awesome because one of the things that watches are is very much an image, mm -hmm. you know, the, an image kind of signaler. You know, this mm -hmm. is the point of my career where I am. And that and so it was, I think it was a Wall Street Journal article that took you through the watches that you're going to have oh, throughout yeah. your career <laughs> from whenever. And like, you know, you get to the point where you get the Rolex Submariner uh, and mm -hmm, then all of a sudden mm -hmm. you're up to the, uh, Patek Philippe, uh, Calatrava. But then by the time you're a billionaire, you don't wear a don't watch because you don't give you a people. flip about no, what you don't. think. You got people who watch out for that for you. And you exactly. That's, yeah. That's, that's the same thing. Well, we're going to come back to your to your values you talked about um, a little bit later on, but uh, you know I have to make the parallel on the business card that you you talked about. That almost is sort of like in the question that I'm going to ask a little later on. It's like, what are you going to what do you want to have on your tombstone? Sure. But that is your current tombstone, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And and I love what you you put on there. You know, your values is kind yeah. of what you've you've established Absolutely. in a one word sentence. All right. So we've talked about what are you most known for. Now I'm going to flip that and say, what do you think you're least known for? Mm. What do you think people don't know that you're really pretty big into? I would say that uh, probably how concerned I am for the welfare of my fellow man and not, and not caring and not, and again, given my past, not from a political perspective. I think most people would probably think that Jason Wright is this Uber button down traditional guy that wants everyone to be, you know, to be little clones of Ronald Reagan or something <laughs> like that. When in fact, uh, I'm much, more open-minded than that mm -hmm. i think i have a much more loving heart than that but here you know now here's the biggest one mm. i'm an introvert keep going i i absolutely understand what you're saying you're going to say i think i'm a closet introvert i look like an extrovert i i mean my goodness here i am I'm, i've got mm -hmm. my own, a mm -hmm. podcast and i'm always out there mm -hmm. But I'm the, you're not going to see me at a cocktail party. Mm -hmm. And if you do, I'm going to be very quiet and by myself. And everybody's going to be like, what's wrong? They're either going to call me a snob or say, what's wrong with him? Why is he upset? But really, it's just I don't want to be there. What kind of family did you come from? Are you an only child? I was until I was four. And okay. then I was thrust into, uh, very quickly, brothers and sisters and um, split household. And I do think that that has a lot to do with... Mm -hmm. um, 
with some of why I am the way I am. But I think that probably as a personality trait and everything, it's got to be that most people would never know that I am very, very happy and content (laughs) in solitude. In fact, I crave solitude versus I don't want to be in a crowd. I'm not going to be at a concert. I'm not going to be at a cocktail party, that sort of thing. I I absolutely get it. And and the reason I ask is I am an only child. Mm -hmm. And... I crave that same kind of thing. Mm. Now, my wife, Bobby, was an only child. So we get along great. We have our time. We just, we like our private times to ourselves. You know, I'm the same as you. You're not going to find me at a lot of parties. In fact, I, I, I loathe them. Now, if I am the subject matter expert in a room like you have been, then I'm fine. Yeah. I mean, I can talk to a crowd of 10,000 people. It doesn't bother me in the least. Right. But if I'm one-on-one with somebody that I don't know, eh, oh, put me back in the corner. It's terrible. Right? I mean, that's why I pretty much, unless it's someone like you or Jimelin or so, someone really close to me, I'm not going to yep. just accept a lunch invitation because it's just brutal. I mean, and it's not a matter of – and one, it's also – it's time management and opportunity cost, but it's also – I just think there's better ways to deepen our relationship than to go do that. And it's just, I don't think I'm going to be at my best. Now, if you need help, if you, I, if I know you at the surface level and you say, Jason, I need help. And I think you're the guy, could you meet me for coffee? Man, I'm, I'm there. I'm well, there. absolutely. And and because you have a purpose exactly. in that, exactly. right? But if it's a, just a general mixer kind of mm-hmm. thing, nah. Not interested. Not interested either. Not So I absolutely get that. Well, that's a fascinating uh, thing that I get your, uh, I bet your listeners have no clue. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of us mm-hmm. out there that, oh, sure. that the introverted extrovert. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just, it's a fascinating conundrum yeah. about life. All right. You use a term uh, in a lot of things that you do called curated life. Mm. I really want you to camp on curated life and explain to us what that means. So, oh man, that's that's so great, Phil. And it's what brought me to Thailand. We've only got half an hour. Yeah, right. I mean, that's a deep <laughs> one for me. I don't, and I don't know why. I, I'm not. I'm a. I'm a relatively bright above average guy i'm not going to exercise false humility here i am a pretty sharp guy because i just i by god's grace but i wasn't smart enough to do what i did when i was 28 i don't it was purely by god's grace that i decided after chasing identity and value and worth in jobs and career to realize that there's more and that you can be proactive in the life you lead. And so I decided I wanted to come back to East Texas. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to own my own business. I wanted to live uh, close to church, be involved in the community, and started this whole idea of designing the life I wanted. And Mm -hmm. the cool thing is I needed money to do it, but I didn't need a lot of money. That wasn't the focus. It was just about how do I go make a lot of money, get a lot of status, just I started designing this life. And so what I am almost to the point of obsession with at this point is only doing those things that I find meaningful and purposeful. And that goes to Viktor Frankl's idea in uh, logotherapy, which logo in Latin means meaning. And for those of you who don't know who Viktor Frankl is, he was the author of Man's Search for Meaning, who was at at Auschwitz. He was taken from his... uh, practice of psychiatry his family what he never saw again he was in the concentration camps he was destined for death and in that time he honed his logotherapy into such it's about not just 
what is the meaning of life, but what is your meaning in the moment of your life? And it's taking, and when you really start to focus on that field, I think you realize there's a lot more that we can control in this day-to-day interaction, what really matters, what's the meaning in things. And when you start to look for the meaning in life, then you can start to design it. So for me, it's it's designing a life that allows me to do the things that, that match my values the most. Because that's where I'm going to get the most energy, right? Is if, mm-hmm. I, if I'm doing things like I value health and wellness. So I have a life, I could make a lot more money working, you know, back in consulting or doing stuff like that. But it would take me away from getting up every single morning and spending time with Jimlin, spending time in prayer, spending time in meditation, exercising, going on my walks, uh, hanging out with my buddy Phil, doing an interview <laughs> on a beautiful Friday afternoon. So to me, it's it's designing and curating a life that is allowing me to match my, my innermost, deepest values with the life that I live. And so that's it, man. It's like, it's like painting a, a painting. You know that You've got a lot of colors to choose from, but there's some that if you use just the right one, the painting will be more beautiful. And I have somewhere along the way figured out that in this life that we have, and you're talking to a guy that at one point thought this was all just God's waiting room. I've mm-hmm, said that before. Mm-hmm. And I used to get angry at God. I'm like, why did you even set up this thing? You even <laughs> you even call a vapor. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's very it's not going to be around. So why are we even here? Let's just get this over with. Is it a football game? That's it. It's just this is just it just I found no meaning in it, and um, but that's that's since changed. I realized that it's all a journey toward eternity. This is a section of an eternal life. And if viewed in the proper context and with that meaning, then all of a sudden it can just be a lot more enjoyable. So that's, so that's a curated life. I think so. Hope Do you so. think others need to, I mean, have you been able to do this in a presentation kind of thing where you, uh, or, or even on a one-on-one where so you see the light bulb go on and you get that, that euphoric experience where somebody also gets what I'm talking about here. Yes, I have, but not as much as I want. And that's what I'm moving toward. And that's what you're moving toward. Absolutely. Because the more, the more I realize um, the just pure joy that life can be when you find meaning with your loved ones, with who we are created to be, who we're called to be, then you want that for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Bible, we, we hear the story of the guy that's walking through a pasture, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he's going through a, a pasture. Imagine yourself walking through a field, and all of a sudden you look around, and there's this uh, a hole or something, and you find this buried treasure. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And no one knows it's there. You realize you have found buried treasure. And so you go off and you sell everything you own to buy that plot of land because the plot of land has the treasure. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, in the Bible, this is representative of our salvation. Right. But as it relates to this curated life and finding purpose and finding meaning in life, that's what it means to me. And I want that for everyone because I think, Phil, if we just realized how sweet and beautiful life can be, if you take the time, again, to find out who you really are, what are your real values, and then live a life that matches with your values, then you can be, it takes care of a lot of this nonsense. We get wrapped around the mm-hmm. axle over in life. And, and I want that so 
badly for everyone. I, I see people that are walking around in misery, be it because of bad health, bad relationships. You know, I did a podcast with Lee Poe on mm-hmm. for, unforgiveness. And it's like, mm-hmm. not only does that hurt your heart, mm-hmm. you know, in the kind of the emotional sense, but there is literally medical evidence that unforgiveness and bitterness harms you cardiovascularly. Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, I hope that with the podcast, the writing, the things that I do, that someone will be like, man, I don't, if nothing else, I go, that guy's got some joy. Mm -hmm. And he says that it's, if I can start to kind of curate my life in such a way that I match, I match my actions up with my values that I can have some of that. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully that'll open the door for, for more of those opportunities. Well, and for the listeners that are on this podcast, just let me just take a second here and remind everybody that I'm Phil Burks and I'm interviewing, flipping the script here on Jason Wright. And uh, so this is why you're hearing it the way you are as you join, if you've joined uh, in here in the middle. And, and, and Jason's describing uh, actually the answer to the, my next question, and that's about values and, and virtues that you hold near and dear. You've just been articulating that through the observation that, you know, a curated life. Mm-hmm. Why do things exist? And Jason, what happens a lot in these chairs that we are sitting in right now, in the, in the format that we're sitting, um, in the chair that you're sitting, I many times have men, and I started to say use young men, and it's not necessarily young men, but men of all different ages who will sit there and go, I am just disgusted with this job I've had for 30 years. I'm disgusted with, you know, whatever. And I, I don't even know what I am, why I'm doing this Mm. besides that's just something I get up and do as a routine. Mm -hmm. What's your message to those guys that sit in that chair? Yeah, that's that those the the job that you do just for the money, yeah. for the the shelter it provides, mm-hmm. those are the results. But what finding your values is a whole different proposition. Now, to that person, I would I bet if you ask the right questions, okay, so you 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 don't really, it sounds to me like you're not finding much, much purpose in your quote unquote job. And this might, and I bet Phil, you've sat across from people that were making more money than this audience can oh. possibly. It doesn't matter. Right. But if you ask them, well, what do you value as a human being? Well, mm. I value being a provider. I love my wife. Right. I love my children. Right. I adore them. I am a, I'm someone who is a follower of Christ. And so therefore I'm willing to lay down my life. Okay, well then let's, so those are some of your values. Well, wouldn't you say that that being your values, that it would be virtuous for you to continue in a job that while you may not like, you find great meaning in because it allows you to live out your values, to provide for your family, to be the father that you have deemed necessary for your family. And it completely shifts. And I think that's the thing is because that is the most desperate place that a human being can be is a life without meaning. And it's, I think that's, uh, you know, your wife is a professional at this. And so she would speak to it much better than I, but I know in certain instances of my life and for that listener, if you're out there and you think, what the heck is all this for? Unfortunately, those are the people that usually will turn a gun on themselves. They'll Mm. take too many pills or they'll just start a life of self-destruction because they're like, it doesn't mean anything. You know, Going back to Viktor Frankl, in all of us, by the way, there's a reason why so many people don't just end it all. That let's say that 
they go, this is all worthless. Well, you don't have to be here, but you're still here because deep down, you know, there's a greater meaning. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is just finding what that meaning is. And that's what will sustain you. And it drives you sometimes. Some of the guys say, what drives me is I know it could be just the next day that I figured this out. Absolutely. One more day. One more day. Yeah. And that's, you know, Victor Frankl said, you know, in, in Auschwitz, in all these Nazi concentration camps where the the horrors that these people endured is really beyond what we can get our brains around. Yeah. And he said, but, but the suicide rate or attempt at suicides was incredibly low. Hmm. Interesting. Then after the war was over, Austria implemented, which is where he was from and where he returned to. And in fact, I think he actually returned to his exact office where he was, oh where he was taken from before hmm. the war. Austria became a very heavy welfare state. So all the basic needs, if, even if you couldn't meet them yourself, they were uh, starting to be met. Young people in their early teens, in particular, suicide rates went through the roof. Associated with the uh, all needs being taken care of? Yeah. They, they were not suffering in any way. All the, the, the mm. suffering had gone away. Mm. So therefore, there was no, you weren't supposed to, all, they were sh- being shielded as much as possible from any pain, any worry, any concern, all with the best of intentions, I'm sure. But the lack of suffering was a, it, it removed their ability to find meaning in the suffering. And that's what I think so many of us, again, it goes back to what he was, what he says when he's like, if my life sucks, and then we just take it to life sucks. No, hmm. life hmm. doesn't suck. Hmm. It's right now things that you, you're relying on external factors for your for your fulfillment, your happiness. You've got to find what your meaning is in this life. And then no matter what the external factors are, those values and the meaning of the moment will resonate with you. And that's what will sustain us. That's what sustain you. Uh, there, there are people. I mean, think about the guy that got caught on in the, on the on the rock. He was mountain climbing and he cut his own arm off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Now there has to be a deep felt meaning of why living is worthwhile if you will take out your knife and cut your arm off to survive. Mm-hmm. That's a guy who's. And I don't know the details of what his real why is that Nietzsche talked about. He who can. Oh, he who has a big enough why can endure mm-hmm. almost any how. Uh, I don't know what his why was that allowed him to cut his own arm off, but it must be pretty darn big. Mm. And so that's what I would say, Phil, is just it's finding the purpose. And, 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 the, and the key to that is, and it sounds cliche at this point after Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, became a bestseller in both secular circles, Christian circles, all that. So, But we all heard the opening sentence of, it's not about you. When we can start to realize that the meaning of life is bigger than we are, no matter what it is, and that every moment gives us an opportunity to search out that meaning and for us to join in and be a part of that, it can be a very powerful thing. Extremely. Uh, and again, this is more, this session is about you and you're articulating 
the meaning of life very, very well. Uh, oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so for the listener, make sure you carve out this section and, and post it somewhere because uh, this is the meaning of life. But <laughs> I, let me relate this, what you're talking about, to, to something. Uh, Bobby, as you are were, uh, aware, my wife was in a major motorcycle accident yeah. on uh, December 30th. And, you know, to sustain us through this whole thing, we had to get past, and it wasn't hard because we, we understand this whole thing, that it wasn't just about her. Yeah. You know, it was about others who have, are going down this road or going to go down this road. And we took what could have been a really bad thing, a tenth of a second one way or another, and I would have, we, you know, my wife would not be here. But we took that opportunity to say, let's let this lesson be for somebody else. Mm. And so we told the story in such a way that, you know, it's by God's grace this happened. By God's grace this other thing happened. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, woe is us. Exactly. And it's, it's the whole shift of, dare I say, the paradigm of your thought process in things. And that applies into the guy that sits in that chair across from me mm-hmm. who says, I don't know what to do with my life. Right. Absolutely. Which, by the way, how's Bobby doing? Bobby's doing great. Thank you for asking. Um, she's uh, physically, all the, the bones have healed and everything. Um, and I think mentally she's doing great. She has a few little latent things that are coming along, you know, like her legs. They don't want to cooperate sometimes, which they – and for the listener to, to understand, this uh, gentleman pulled out in front of Bobby uh, and a girlfriend that was riding with her, an 83-year-old girlfriend, I might add, who was on the motorcycle. They were doing 68 miles an hour, clear, clean highway, and the gentleman just pulled out uh, right in front of them, and they had no choice. Uh, and then I could go on with the, by the grace of God, but Bobby went through the handlebars, through the windshield, um, and uh, uh, really should not be alive. But she is. But she's doing great. And thank you for asking. Good. Will she ride again? Oh, absolutely. Okay, and Carol will too. Her passenger behind. Awesome. I mean, they were talking about in the emergency room when they saw each other. You know, I t- Bobby says, "Well, I'm getting a new motorcycle as soon as I can." Carol says, "Well, put me on the back because we were on the way to have a hamburger and we didn't get our hamburger, so let's go." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And um, can I tell a story about your wife? Of course, you can. So. Uh, this audience, like I told you, I've been very vulnerable in the last few episodes. I don't know what that's about. Um, but, and, and to the listener, Phil is married to a professional therapist and Phil had no idea that I was a long time patient, uh, whatever that (laughs) of, uh, work in progress of his wife's. And I was going through some issues that just very, just objectively speaking, that I used to ask my, myself before I had, I don't have it all figured out, but before I had more of the things we're talking about figured out, I asked her one day, I asked myself one day, how have I not gone completely mad and blown my head off considering mm-hmm. the things that were happening to me over and over and over? And your wife asked me one day, Jason, why are you doing this? Are you sick? And she meant by why am I doing what, what 
by all outside accounts is in the hero's journey. You know, the, the, there was a movie producer that once said, if you really want to make a good movie, all you do is you take a character, you make everybody fall in love with him, and then you proceed to beat the hell out of it. Take, take him away. Well, I was in the getting the hell beat out of me phase, and your wife said, basically, why are you allowing the hell to continue to be beat out of you? Yeah, yeah. And for me, and, and by the way, folks, just full disclaimer, I have not done it right a lot of the time, so please don't take this. Please allow me a little bit of grace here because it can sound very self-righteous and self-indulgent. But in that moment, I said, you know, Bobby, and this is, again, for me, not trying to do any proselytizing here or anything, but this was my why in that moment. This is my meaning, if you will, to get through that desert over broken glass, having not had anything to drink in, in days. I told Bobby, I said, well, Bobby, the, the simple answer is this. I believe, I don't believe if Jesus Christ were standing in this room right now, he would have me do anything different hmm. than what I'm doing. And that was my why. That was my meaning. It, it, I, I really, it was one of those cool moments where, again, by his grace, not Jason Wright, but mm -hmm. by, by his grace, I was able to go, this isn't about me. Yeah. There's, some, there's more meaning to this. There's more to this. I'm not just getting the hell beat out of me for nothing. There is some meaning to this. Mm -hmm. And just that shred of hope and understanding that there is a meaning and there's a bigger picture to all this than just Jason Wright being happy or sad, treated well, treated poorly. No, no, no. This is my life. This is my moment. And there's something going on here with a, a greater meaning. And for me, you know, of course, it was that uh, trying to be, I don't know. It wasn't, and again, it wasn't like this willpower led doing good works you know oh woe is me uh kind of that moment that job even found himself mm -hmm. in uh it wasn't that but but again to the listener i only say that to you because i, I my hope is i don't want anyone on the other end of this to be going through hurt and pain of course not but if you are considered a treasure because you have a moment to look for the meaning in that and come out on the other side a far better human being than you ever thought that you ever would have been otherwise absolutely absolutely and and, and while this is not a direct 100 uh, percent uh parallel you work out all the time mm -hmm. i mean I, I i get to see your videos which really really blows the mind on the fact that you're an introvert because i mean you're exposing yourself as from the standpoint of standing on your head jumping over things doing craziness um but the pain that's involved with that has a gain factor to it Precisely. and 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 you know we hear this all the time you know if you want gain you got to go through pain mm -hmm. well um people think of that and relate it to muscle uh, muscles but life also follows that same thing. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, and, and I've been on your show and about the book that I wrote about, you know, how to eat a failure sandwich. All of those failures had tons of pain associated with those things. Absolutely. But the thing, uh, the theme through that whole uh, episode, and for your listeners and for you in life, is just don't quit. Yeah, that's just it. Just don't quit. That's it. You are not permitted to quit. And if you think about quitting, don't. That's right. <laughs> I, rem I remember sitting in your wife's office the first time that uh, I had this really big kind of Chernobyl-like life experience where my, my world was shaken. And I, 
and feel it's so weird. I don't know if I, I'm, I remember it like this, whether it actually happened like this or not, but at least mentally. I have those. I, I, I'm like, I can't remember, but this is the way I look back on it. I looked at my hands and I remember thinking to myself, I'm still alive. Oh, yeah. I didn't die. So now what? You know, and, and, and it allowed yeah, me, going yeah. back to that whole life curation yeah, thing. Yeah. It's like, I still have some choices here. I still have some moves that I can ultimately control. And so for the listener out there, you know, like Winston Churchill said, if you find yourself walking through hell, keep going. Mm -hmm. You have the choice to keep moving. You have the choice to start making decisions that could cause you to find the doorway out of that hell. But either way, you have a choice. And I remember that. It was so weird. I mean, I remember... There's so many things that we that happen in life, and we have been conditioned to think that when, if this were to happen to me, and then that mm -hmm. horrible thing happens, and so we, our default mechanism is, well, this is what people do. Well, let me tell you, no, you don't have to. You don't. Ha there is a there is the option to, for example, forgive. You know, I talk about that a lot. In the, you do have that choice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You do have that choice to forgive. You own that. So I think that's uh, I think that's a powerful thing, Phil. It's just for for people to get their mind around, uh, you know. And, and you know, let's let's talk one more a little bit yeah. about the whole forgiveness thing. A lot of people think that the whole turning the other cheek. I just heard something, and I struggled with that for 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 a long time. It's like, oh man, that turning the other cheek thing is bad. People can do some pretty bad things to me. And someone, I don't know if it was Matthew Chandler or John Piper, someone said. You know, this whole biblical idea of turning the other cheek, it's not being a doormat. Correct. It means, now you, you remember where this, the, the, the genesis, as we're sitting in Genesis headquarters, <laughs> the genesis of this idea was God and his son Jesus saying, turn the other cheek. So therefore, and again, this is if you're a believer, this idea that I have the power to crush you. Mm -hmm. I have the power to annihilate you. Mm -hmm. I have the power to have all the armies and everything, more power than you could possibly fathom to ascend upon you. But I'm going to choose not to. Yeah. That's turning the other cheek. It's knowing you hold the power and choosing to not push the proverbial red button. That's what turning the other cheek is. So in that moment of you've given me every reason to hate you, to despise you, to punch you in the throat, <laughs> and I have the power to do it all, and I've got a cast of witnesses that would all be on my side, but I'm going to choose not to. But don't forget, I know I have the power to do it. I'm choosing not to. I'm not saying it's okay for you to ever do it again. Though, though, and that's a decision that we can make. We have the power to make these decisions in life that unfortunately we've been trained to go with the natural instinct, to punch the person back, to, 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 to fulfill the, 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 the lust of the flesh or whatever the case may be, instead of that denying, which we all have the power. So anyway, that's... To the listener, you're listening to preacher Jason Wright. <laughs> I knew this getting worked up over put, here. Put put me on the uh, on the soapbox. But, uh, no, I, this is great stuff. This is great stuff, and and we've we've covered 
the the core of the thing is, uh, and I want to ask you. Uh, I have got three more questions, um, and um, because I want to keep this uh, reasonable in length, but uh, I really I don't know if you've ever taken the time to tell your listeners your testimony. Mm. Now it's your choice if you wish to do this, because yeah. I know this can get very personal. Yeah, but. You know, and I would like you to keep it as succinct as, succinct as possible, yeah. or or tight as possible. So, sure. if you would tell us what we we believers call your testimony. Okay, so mine's pretty boring because, and, and so I'm going to have to. It was easy. It was revival. I was nine years old. There was an altar call, and I went down. Now you got to understand, listener. I grew up in First Baptist Church, Sulphur Springs, Texas, where when the doors were open, the rights were there on the very back row. My great-grandfather had uh, provided a lot of the early, he came from nothing. He did well by the sweat of his brow, and he helped fund that church. So our roots ran deep. I knew no different. You know, I, I grew up, uh, the sky's blue, the sun's bright, Jesus is Lord, you know, amen. When, when does VBS start? So it was almost automatic, which as I became an adult, I, I never questioned my salvation or my, I, I never had that question, but I, I did gain a great admiration for those who were adults that came to believe. Hmm. I hmm. thought, especially like physicians and these really learned and smart intellectual people that chose to believe this seemingly what Bill Maher and a lot of other people call this crazy fairy tale, you mm -hmm. know? And so I really admired that. So for me, I'm going to tell you, so that's how that was the, the salvation, but here's where I really had to realize what it meant. Okay. So the, the Bible says, you know, the apostle Paul told us to uh, work out our salvation. And mm -hmm. a lot of, un unfortunately, a lot of our Brothers and sisters think, well, that means good works are going to nope. get me there. No, it doesn't. It means, again, kind of like the guy with that found the treasure. It means be so grateful for what you have that when the time comes that you don't want to, to, to offer forgiveness, for example, you go, I'm so thankful that I'm saved. I'm so thankful that no matter what I do, I'm forgiven, that I'm going to forgive you as well. And so as an adult, one of my favorite testimonies that came way after I was nine years old as, as an individual had done me about as wrong as you possibly could. And he came into my office one day and he, he asked for forgiveness for what he had done. And I said, and at the time I was teaching uh, Sunday school at green acres. And I said, you know, you've sat in my class and you've heard me talk about all the, the Bible stories. And it's real easy when you're there in a, group flow moment and you're in church and everybody's there for the same reason and we all come to church in the witness protection program anyway we don't let anybody know what's really going on so everybody seems happy and <laughs> it's real easy to go yes amen all right where are we going for lunch uh, but true <laughs> i said but but it's in these moments right here that the reverend wrote and i said yeah i do forgive you this is when the work happens i, for, I forgive you and i hugged him i mean this is a guy that did some i mean wow bad stuff yeah bad so so i like to so i just want to say that the getting saved my getting saved was so just typical baptist again vbs mm -hmm. revival church campy that i didn't even have to think about it 
But the confirmation of that salvation, oh, yeah. I think, came years later when I was able to walk it out. And that and that's one moment where I got it right. Now, there's been other times, Phil, sure. where I didn't offer the forgiveness like I should. But yeah, there's a, a point one. where you feel you've kind of come to this realization. Uh, the term was used with me. You're, you are your own free will moral agent. Mm, and like you make a lot of stupid uh, decisions in that mm. process. But then as we are taught, you know, uh, train up a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it. I mean, he's going to wander. But somewhere along the way, you come back to that nine-year-old you, and you yeah. go, oh, I, I kind of get this now. There you go. And and it's it go, moves from your head into your heart Yeah. in that, that decision moment, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. thanks for telling us that story. That's great. So uh, two last questions. Uh, what's your gravestone going to say? I warned you about that up in, yeah. in front, but you know this is a typical question for these kind of things. But what's your gravestone going to say? Uh, here lies a man that adored. It's a tough one, man. That that one gets me emotional. That adored his two daughters and his wife so much that it caused him to take on trying to every day be as much like Jesus Christ as he possibly could. And, um, man, and I, I think, I think that's, if it, if it said anything close to that, not that he, I don't, I don't expect it to ever say here lies a man that was like Jesus. Yeah, I get it. Like, but based on how he loved Jimelin, Rylan and Abby, he was trying. Yep. Something like that. Good. Yeah. Well, that's going to be a big tombstone uh, to write all that down. But <laughs> <laughs> I expect a great donation from Genesis. You know, be, be, I think I think if you're one of Phil Burke's mentees, you have a good a, a gravestone a gravestone fund. I think that's if, if not, uh, I, I hereby move that that be part of the club. Yo no hablo inglés. <laughs> And my last question, what's next for Jason Wright? What's next, buddy? Man, I don't know. Well, I got a book coming out. Do you? Tell do. us. I do. The, the Stone Chiseler. Uh, I had the privilege of reading that yeah. uh, ahead. And, at, and, and let me tell you something, Phil Burks. At your urging, as well as some others, the ending has changed. Ah, good. And it's, and it's pretty doggone cool. Uh, the Stone Chiseler, that will be uh, available for pre-order tomorrow on my birthday. That was by design on Amazon. Sweet. And just so that the listener knows, this is a parable about a young man who finds himself in kind of what we've talked about as mm -hmm. awful of circumstances yep. for as awful of reasons as you can possibly imagine. However, in the midst of it, he's able to find meaning and with the help of an external with person. the help uh, he he follows the hero's journey yep. and um i'm proud of it it's a short read i'm from sulfur Springs, so the words are not that big <laughs> the sentences are not that long uh and and people like <laughs> phil burks have read it to, and, and others to help me straighten out my my grammar but uh anyway so i've got that and then you know phil beyond that man it's just someone it's funny before i came over Someone asked me, and God, man, to be able to say this is really, really cool. Um, someone asked us over at the store, at Jimlin's store, you know, so what are, you, what are you doing for your birthday? What do you want to do? And I said, well, first of all, 
Ryland, my oldest daughter and I share the same birthday. So really oh, wow. it's Ryland's birthday. Manito. It just ha- and, and it's her grandfather's. Uh, so there's three generations. So it's really kind of crazy. I said, you know, I'll be honest with you. I like to travel and all that sort of thing. And I get it. But every day that I get to have an incredible cup of coffee, I get to kiss Jimlin. <laughs> and I get to read a book, do some writing, produce the podcast. My birthday is every day, man. Yeah. And so what I'm going to do next is um, who knows? I'm just going to keep. I'm just going to keep chiseling. You know, I'm just going to keep chiseling. That's what it, a man. what a teaser. There you go. What a teaser. That's it. Uh, and I will tell the listener, you really want to pick up his uh, uh, the the book uh, because it's it's a phenomenal story, uh, and it's not often. I you know, it, it, truth about me, I really don't like to read. I don't like to read because I'm I'm a bit um, dyslexic. And so I have a tough time reading, but I could not look f- forward more to continuing as I went through the, the book, not just because it's Jason Wright's writing, but also because the story, because I thought there's got to be redemption in this thing. And sure enough, there is redemption. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and also, you know, you didn't ask me to, but I got to plug how to eat a failure sandwich. If you're an entrepreneur out there listening, I know we have those and you've heard me talk about it before I interviewed Phil for after he released the book. Uh, I'm sitting across from one of the most successful yet humble men who's willing to share the good, the bad, and the ugly of his story in ways that few are. So, uh, man, I, another another good read. I want to be yeah. like you when I grow up, brother. <laughs> well, I you're going to have to get mighty bald and mighty fat. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. This has been a joy, Jason. And um, it's uh, for the listener. This was a flip the tables. I don't know what we're we should really call this, but uh, Jason and I've uh, grown to know and love each other, and uh, he's taken over for me in a position of, uh, of a board chair for a, a nonprofit that we've been involved with, and uh, he's uh, done some amazing things in and around and through uh, activities that I'm involved with, so it's been my pleasure to sit and hear a little bit more of your heart and what drives you, what gets you up each day. Jason, and well, thank you for the opportunity. Well, I appreciate you, brother, and I thank you. And to the listener, you know, this is, um, I hope that if there's anything that you take from this, it's that uh, I'm trying. And whatever whatever good's come my way, I want for you, I want so badly for everyone on within a, an earshot of my voice, I want your world to be, like Phil mentioned, I want it to be perfectly curated. I want you to find this thing, joy. You know, C.S. Lewis, you know, when he wrote um, Surprised by Joy. Joy is something that sneaks up on you when you're not looking, but you're, but you're doing the things that, that feel right. You find the meaning all of a sudden, and that's what I want for everybody. So now you know a little bit more about why, <laughs> why I do what I do and, and hopefully why you actually listen to, listen to this guy on the Jason Wright Show. So, Phil, thank you, brother. <laughs>Well, there you have it, folks. That's uh, the Jason Wright Show birthday special. Thanks for tuning into that. And I hope that you found benefit in it. I hope that uh, some of you will 
either it confirmed that you do have that meaning that you're looking for in your personal life and, in, and you have that purpose that you have found and you're willing to continue to execute on that. And for those of you who maybe you haven't really put some thought into that, I hope that you found it beneficial as you go and, and search the meaning in your life and the moments and live a life of purpose, live a life of excitement. It's a journey and uh, it's to be enjoyed and uh, I hope you certainly do. I'm Jason and I'm out.